Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Abortions are all but illegal in Oklahoma. Republican Governor Kevin Stitt signed a bill Tuesday outlawing the procedure unless it's necessary to save a pregnant person's life. I promised Oklahomans that I would sign every pro-life bill that hit my desk. And that's what we're doing here today. We want Oklahoma to be the most pro-life state in the country. Uh, We want to outlaw abortion in the state of Oklahoma. Performing an abortion is now considered a felony in Oklahoma. A person found guilty of providing the service would face up to 10 years in prison and a fine of up to $100,000. This matters for a number of reasons, but one of them is that Oklahoma has been providing abortions to patients from Texas after that much larger state passed its own restrictive ban back in September that safe haven will no longer exist. From Florida to Idaho to Arizona, Republicans have moved to restrict abortion in states they control. You might be listening to this and wondering how this affects you as a Californian. What happens to abortion policies in states across the country has a domino effect on other states, including our own. Joe Garofoli is The Chronicle's senior political writer and the host of It's All Political on Fifth Emission. He's seen this ripple effect firsthand. Joe shadowed an East Bay doctor who regularly traveled to Oklahoma to help provide abortion services. This latest news means access to abortion services across the country are shrinking, and people will now have to travel farther for the procedures, including to California. California will be relied upon by many, many people who will need to seek refuge in our state and receive the care that they need. Estimating that California could become the closest no-ban state within driving distance for 1.4 million women. On today's episode, Joe chats with Minnie Timaraju. She's a Cal Berkeley graduate, an Indian American, and the first woman of color to lead NARAL Pro-Choice America, a national advocacy group that opposes restrictions to abortion. She discusses what the Oklahoma abortion ban means for reproductive rights across the country, as well as the tenuous future of Roe v. Wade, which established the constitutional right to an abortion. The Supreme Court is considering a case that could throw Roe out as early as June. Tima Raju shares what the future would look like if that happens, as well as the challenges that California faces as a safe haven for those seeking abortion care outside of their home states. Let's throw it over to Joe Garofoli, host of It's All Political on Fifth Emission. Here's his conversation with the president of NARAL Pro-Choice America, Minnie Tima Raju. Mimi Timaraju, let's start with the big news of the day. Oklahoma's governor just signed a near-total ban on abortion into law. How is this going to change the dynamics of what's going on in America when it comes to abortion services? Really, what's happening in Oklahoma, you can't think about it separate from, you know, what's happening with the Supreme Court, what happened in Texas. So with Texas, Oklahoma being the neighboring state, we saw so many women in the last few months having to go to Oklahoma for care. 
So it's definitely a reaction to that. Um, and uh, in fact, frankly, a really extreme overreaction to it. It's going to have devastating consequences on access issues in that region. And, you know, what's really alarming is if you think about it, the stats are one out of 10 American women live in Texas. You know, we're waiting for the Supreme Court to come down with a ruling on this Mississippi abortion ban, a 15-week abortion ban that would target one clinic in the entire state of Mississippi that performs abortions to 15 weeks or to 16 weeks. If the court upholds the ban, they've effectively gutted Roe. But the problem is Roe has already effectively been invalidated by these bans in places like Texas, Idaho, uh, as well as Oklahoma now, which is the most extreme of them all. Um, here's why. When the court decided to take no action and they were they were asked to take action on SB8 and Texas, they declined. They kicked it down to a lower court. And that moment they were saying uh, this statute that essentially already uh, invalidates Roe can stand. So the Supreme Court has said uh, states have at it. Some of the stuff uh, is more extreme than what we saw uh, before 1973. So those of us who do this for a living and track this, um, it's a terrifying time to be a pregnant person in this country uh, and have no control over your destiny and your pregnancy. Oklahoma is just the latest example of how far extremist GOP politicians can go if allowed to be unfettered. Conservatives hold a six to three majority on the Supreme Court. Do you think that Roe will fall? Yes. it's. I don't think it's any more a question of will. I think it's a question of how. If they uphold the Mississippi ban, it essentially undercuts the basis of Roe and opens the floodgates, which is already happening, but it will confirm it. Many people who are smarter about the Supreme Court than I will say, the court will likely not spell it out for us, though. They probably won't say, and we hereby overturn Roe v. Wade, right? They often don't do that. But anything short of striking the ban uh, will be changing uh, the game of what the constitutional right for abortion is based on. And under Roe, it's viability, uh, it's privacy, and a 15-week ban doesn't fit with either of those things. So we have the evidence we need, and we need to be prepared for the inevitable fall of Roe. I think the challenge is getting that message out, right? Americans have a lot of things to be worried about. Inflation, uh, there's a war in Ukraine. There's still a pandemic. Uh, you, we still don't, I'm, I'm biased. I have two kids under five. We still have a vaccine for kids under five. There's a lot of things that parents and working parents care about. And the challenge for us as a movement is going to be to cut through the noise and make sure folks understand what's about to happen with the court, what just happened in Oklahoma and Texas, and that they can't rely on the courts anymore to upheld their constitutional rights. They have to go to the ballot box. And it, we're already starting to see, as you alluded to this earlier, uh, my uh, colleague uh, Gabrielle Lurie and I were in Oklahoma. We saw women uh, traveling, getting up uh, early in the morning, driving several hundred miles from Texas to to get uh, access that they couldn't get in their home state, even in in a city like Dallas, you know, was it the nation's uh, top 10 city in terms of population? They, they couldn't get an appointment there. So do you see th this ripple effect is, is continuing? W what does the post-Roe world look like? Some people are going to have the means to travel to other states. Many women, uh, many people aren't. 
what will that world look like? Our colleagues and I uh, across the reproductive rights movement are tracking 28 states poised to ban abortion. That includes states that have pre-existing so-called trigger bans, things that say if Roe falls or if Roe is invalidated, or maybe it was a pre-Roe ban. Uh, so we have different states that are, we're tracking that will have some sort of uh, trigger to immediately ban abortion. And then there's a dozen or so more states that have legislation in various stages of uh, process of working through their legislatures. So we're seeing a myriad of ways that states are tackling this issue. The good news is in some places that are tough, like Michigan, you have folks like a Governor Whitmer who is uh, litigating now in advance of even the ballot initiative. Like she's trying to get ahead of it. It's also such an important moment to understand the power of governors and attorney generals and state legislatures. And a lot of Americans, when they think about abortion, when they think about their constitutional rights, they think about the Supreme Court, they think about Congress. But now we need them to shift their attention to who's running the Capitol in my state, who's the Speaker of the House, which party has the majority in the legislature, in the House and the Senate. Do most Americans even know who uh, controls the party in their uh, capital region? They probably don't. We are seeing a landscape of 28 some odd states where there's going to be some kind of fight it's a, it's a very grim landscape, but the good news is there are great candidates running up and down the ticket in those states who are forward thinking and who are ready to fight back. But it's still going to be very challenging. More with Joe Garofoli and Nayral's mini Timaraju after a quick break. Timaraju will share how organizing for reproductive rights will have to look like now and what it's like being the first woman of color to lead her organization. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here in California, we've created a Future of Abortion Council that is proposing legislation and funding to help prepare the state for the thousands of people expected to come here to get an abortion. Are there other states planning something similar? And if not, are you concerned about that? So I think you are definitely ahead. I think it also helps that California has had some of the strongest networks of advocates in the country. Um, I will say New York, New Jersey, Colorado, they're all uh, doing good things. I know Illinois is looking at things. Um, there's executive orders. There's been legislation that they're reviewing to expand access and services, but nothing quite as profound and extensive as California yet. I'm not terribly worried yet because I know that the advocates and the electeds in those states that I just mentioned are actively working on plans and they're looking at California as a model. I think the challenge is really who can, how many women, particularly women of color, and how many people, particularly people in rural areas or LGBTQ you know, communities, et cetera, can really make it to New York and California from Texas. So that's why Kansas is so important. So Michigan is so important. That's why the center of the country is so important. You know, um, 
at the end of the day, yes, some people will have access to services. Some people will be able to pay um, out of their pocket to fly to a California or New York, but the vast majority of those pregnant people and women will not have that. And they will need a much closer option. Even if we had unlimited abundance of dollars in California, New York, and New Jersey, and Illinois, and Michigan, and all expand access to services, you still have local law enforcement and local organizations um, and vigilante citizens like we have in Texas reporting on women um, for suspicious behavior related pregnancy. And this has been happening. It's not a new phenomenon. It's been happening for a while, but now they'll have the weapon of an abortion ban to go after disenfranchised women. Now, you know, you, you know, politics, you've worked on Capitol Hill, including for California's uh, own Fox bit and uh, Congressman Ami Berra from, from Sacramento. You were the national women's vote director for Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. If we see a road decision, if it falls very likely in late June, that's when the the court usually drops the big decisions. How will this affect the midterm races? And I want you to focus on in California, uh, where we have several battleground races, some in suburban districts in Southern California, Orange County, L.A., uh, and some in more conservative areas in the Central Valley. How will this decision, if Roe falls, affect the midterms? It's such a good question. And, you know, you hit the nail on exactly what our entire strategy is. So NARAL is you know, in addition to being a policy advocacy organization, we have a very large C4 political action electoral component. We have a once in a lifetime historic opportunity to mobilize and wake up, not just women voters, but the eight out of 10 Americans who care about reproductive freedom and support the constitutional right to abortion and support Roe. Poll after poll after poll, Democrats and independent polls, Wall Street Journal poll recently show the majority of Americans support access. They support this constitutional right. They support Roe. Where it gets a little tricky is they don't necessarily understand the difference between 15 weeks and 22 weeks and a six-week ban and our job is going to be making it crystal clear to the American public and to the electorate that the fall of Roe is a historic moment where a large group of citizens will lose a constitutional right, something that has not happened in decades in this country. We're going to go backward. So there's two groups that we're really focused on. It's our Democratic base who this issue polls in the top three most motivating issues to get them to the polls. So if we do our job right, we can get them activated to participate in a midterm, which is Always a great thing, because as we know, midterms are tough. But then we have a large group of persuadable voters who don't like government overreach. The extremist GOP tactics around this don't appeal to them. Maybe if it was just the court overturning Roe, they'd be a little bit confused about the stakes. But states like Texas and Oklahoma are actually making it crystal clear that a 15-week ban was never where they intended to stop, right? Who's in that second group specifically? Who's, what's the demo? You know, uh, remarkably, it's a pretty diverse demo. Persuadable voters aren't just, you know, white suburban moms, right? We've got a lot of people from a lot of ethnic groups who are in that demo. Um, you've got, you know, older people of color. Uh, you've got church-going folks who believe in the right, but aren't really fluent in all of the tactics or the issues with ben- beneath it, right? Um, a lot of Americans don't know what Roe is. Like we, we, those of us who are in this line of work in politics, you cover politics, I work in politics, Roe is shorthand for something. But for the average American who believes the government shouldn't be able to tell a woman or pregnant person what to do with her body, 
Uh, they don't know what row signifies, right? So that persuadable universe is a lot of those folks too. And I think that's fair in the moment we're in uh, for folks to be a little distracted <laughs> by the, it's almost like shock and awe. There's too many things going on in this country at the same time. Now, you were the first woman of color to lead uh, NARAL Pro-Choice American over at EMILY's List, uh, which supports uh, Democratic pro-choice women who are running for office. Last fall, Afonso Butler became the first woman of color to lead that organization. Speaking for yourself, how, how does your life experience shape the work you do now? For me, you know, I'm an immigrant kid. My parents immigrated here, uh, like a lot of Californians, you know, from India, a uh, large uh, Asian American population, Indian American population in California. My parents came through um, New York and New Jersey uh, when I was a kid and when I was an infant, and I'm a naturalized citizen. My experience was one of, you know, great opportunity. My mother has memories of Roe v. Wade. You know, I was born a month after Roe v. Wade was decided. So I'm just about as old as Roe v. Wade, short of a month. <laughs> and she remembers being, you know, a young immigrant with a small daughter and seeing all these issues play out. So for me, you know, I was raised in a household that was really enthusiastic about politics, that was really excited to be part of the system. Um, to full, full disclosure, my family was active in politics in India. So it was sort of in our culture and in our family. You know, they were all very active volunteers and um, my grandparents were all involved with the freedom movement, you know, with Mahatma Gandhi, like so many young Indians were at the time, the fight for independence. And then I grew up in Texas. I grew up in Texas as a brown person of color, you know, as an immigrant kid uh, and had the experience of, you know, growing up with a diverse community with black kids, with, you know, Hispanic, Latino kids and understand Latinx kids and understanding that we had a shared experience. You know, it didn't really matter what country of origin we were from. Uh, to some extent, we were people of color. We were other. Uh, and sometimes you were um, you were fighting that, you know, in your school. You know, I lived in a pretty politically conservative neighborhood. All of those things contribute to this moment. It's a hard question to answer. You know, I'm 49 years old. Roe v. Wade's almost is 49 years old. And it's it's emotional. You know, we came here for big things. And now we're just fighting to exist in a way, right? We're fighting to exist. California leaders, as we've alluded to, talk a lot about becoming a haven for for, for many folks, uh, for people seeking uh, abortions, for trans folks from Texas and elsewhere, for, for immigrants, whether they be from uh, Ukraine or Afghanistan or, or wherever. But it's hard to be a haven, truly be a haven, when it's so expensive to live here. Can, can California truly be a haven when it's so expensive here? I do think that housing equity issues are critical. And, you know, um, I have really good friends who live and work in Silicon Valley, who live in the East Bay. I mean, the way the systems across the country, but particularly in California, have pushed out, you know, lower income people of color, immigrants from these urban centers, particularly what's happening in San Francisco. It's really hard to have a representative democracy when people can't afford to live in the communities that they want to live in or choose to live in. You can't truly be a haven if you can't create an equitable environment for people to have a chance to live and raise their family. And reproductive rights and reproductive freedom means more than just access to abortion. It means the right to raise your kids uh, in a community where you can breathe clean air, where you can afford good housing, where you have great public schools, right? It's the whole bigger picture of about what you get to do when you plan a family. And if every Californian doesn't have that, no, it's not really a haven, but 
what I love about Californians and what I love about California leaders is they keep trying to make it better and they're having the tough conversations. And as somebody who in my own home state of Texas hasn't had the benefit of that in a very long time, it gives me hope. It's not perfect, but they're trying. They're trying to make it better. Yeah, yeah. Anita Maranchu, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more and more over the next few months as the this uh, seismic shift in uh, abortion rights, abortion access is going to reshape uh, this country. And uh, I mean, you know best, but I think we're just seeing the beginnings of some crazy times coming up. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Mini Timaraju is the president of NARAL Pro-Choice America. Joe Garofoli is the host of It's All Political on Fifth Emission. He's also a senior political writer at The Chronicle, and his story about the impact of Oklahoma's abortion ban on California is online now at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. You can also find his profile of an East Bay doctor who traveled to Oklahoma monthly to perform abortions. That was, of course, before the ban was signed on Tuesday. That story from Joe is at sfchronicle.com slash abortions. Thanks to Taya Francesca Price for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs>